Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. Nicholas McLean is one half of the transatlantic private dealership, Eakin McLean. Together with his partner, Christopher Eakin, they are regular fixtures on the international auction circuit, where they are prominent private dealers and art advisors. I spoke to Nick recently about the differences between the public and the private markets. We also discussed collector motivations to buy and sell, the difficulty in acquiring works as a dealer, and his thoughts on the next body of work he thinks buyers should focus upon. You and uh, Chris worked for, I can't even remember, how many years were you running the department at Christie's together? Um, we do, it's about eight, nine years that we ran it, yes, together. Uh, and then when you opened uh, your gallery together, you said that you came across um, a whole different group of collectors that you'd never dealt with before. People, you know, who worked only on the private market, who were not customers of, of either auction house. Uh, and I, I wanted to get a sense from you, one, to just sort of go over that uh, with me uh, again. And then two, you know, whether you think that's changed over the, uh, has it been 10 or 12 years that you guys have been uh, in business? Yeah, 11 years, actually. Right? Well, you're right on the mark. Um, so uh, it's... No, it's changed. It, it, it certainly hasn't changed that. In fact, if anything, it, it's increased the number of people who we find prefer to buy privately uh, rather than at auction. Um, obviously, the auction houses have become more involved with private sales, but there's still many people who prefer to buy privately from dealers simply because you know they find the uh, um, process of dealing with you know very. A, a smaller business means that they can can be assured of uh, discretion, and um, I yeah I was we were very surprised. And the, the, there were certain people that we had dealt with when we were at Christie's, and and just had probably I'm embarrassed to say not given them you know the enough time. It's the assumption that they weren't bidding heavily at auction and therefore they can't be weren't a good buyer until we discovered that uh, uh, when we left and offered them things privately that they were much more interested than um, in in they're really only interested in buying privately and we have several collectors that we deal with that in that way and they may be occasionally they'll step up and buy something at auction uh, but uh, they like to be able to um, not through go through the uh, the uncertain process of of um, buying in a in a sort of public environment, these can be people who don't don't even buy from uh, from an art fair, and they like to know that it's coming straight from a fresh source, and and um, that if they decide that they want to resell uh, down the line, or their family wants to resell, that it re you know retains that um, uh, same uh, market history of essentially not having been exposed to the open market. And is it that, that sense of freshness that drives them or just the not wanting to feel pressured to compete on a price? Um, yeah, quite often that they will pay more privately to buy something than they would at auction. I mean, often, often even above market price just to have the chance of securing something 
um, and not having to go through the that uncertain process. You know, they know there's always a the chance they could buy something cheaply at auction, but and also they could find themselves being involved in a uh, a bidding war, and therefore they will, you know, sometimes pay more than. Um, way more than the work might actually achieve at auction. Uh, and um, perhaps it's always been the way, but I, I feel that um, these are people that you know, we've, um, many of these people we've met since le since leaving and who are, um, you know, very active in the private market. And um, there's also, I think, a little bit of lack of confidence by the fact that uh, so many works that come into the market now have a sort of third party guarantors and um, the sense of, of, you know, who one's bidding against and is this somebody who's got a little bit of a, an advantage and, um, uh, and that, that puts off some of the people that uh, we work with. So is the private market more than driven by uh, the buyer's demand? And by that, I mean, if you have a client you know is looking for a, a specific work from a specific artist, and I don't mean, I mean, you know, a type of work, uh, you know, a, a 60s, um, you know, uh, Lichtenstein, and you know the range of their interests, are you able to then go out and sort of search for that work for them to make a private uh, deal? as opposed to waiting until someone raises their hand and says, I'm looking to sell my uh, 60s Lichtenstein uh, and, you know, see about uh, contacting the people you know are interested in that. Yeah, I mean, if somebody says they are specifically interested in a particular, you know, type of work, um, yeah, we, we, we might call, uh, uh, you know, a collector or collectors who who own the type of work we think would be of interest, and uh, say, look, we have a specific person who's extremely keen at the moment. Is a might you consider? And sometimes it, yeah, that that um, uh, does, you know, result in them saying, okay, I'll take a, you know, take advantage of this, and and um, uh, yeah, often the buyer will say, look, I'm prepared to pay that bit extra. And the owner will feel, well, maybe this is a good time to, you know, to, to uh, take advantage of this. And or maybe they never even consider selling, but, you know, because the offer is, you know, at a particular level, they may be, uh, may be tempted. And um, there are quite a number of private sales that take place in that way. I mean, I always prefer it if a work is consigned, we actually have it on, you know, uh, in under our control for a certain period of time, we're able to go out to that collector who may have that interest. But you know, that that requires um, um, certain amount of good fortune for, for the um, stars to align in that way. And, and do you have a sense, uh, obviously, I don't think you can work this out on paper, but, you know, from from being very familiar with both uh, the auction and even the auction house private sales market and you and your peers, what you sell, what's the ratio of private sales to public sales? Is it 50-50? Is it greater in one direction or the other? Well, we this is the... Um, uh, the t probably the toughest question to answer. Um, I, uh, our sense is that the, the, um, ratio is much more, uh, based around private sales 
than um, than public sales, and 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 to a much greater level than uh, than is perceived in the market. Uh, you know, there's often the sort of saying, well, it's probably could be as much as 50-50, or shall we say, 50% of uh, the market is controlled by the auction houses. Um, I would say it's much uh, more likely to be 30-70, even 25-75, in that 25% of the auction market is um, auctions um, um, are, are, are take up the, the whole of the market. Um, particularly, I'm referring probably into to, um, 20th and 21st century art. Um, and uh, the reason for this is that there are so many private dealers uh, who are, you know, often doing a, you know, quite high volume and or certainly high valued uh, deals. There's a huge number of private galleries who who are making sales um, separate from what we know takes place at uh, art fairs. And I think if you, you you know you add those sales up on a worldwide basis and then compare it to the the auctions, I think the number is uh, would be substantially greater. I mean, I, I don't know who knows what those numbers numbers would be exactly, but um, uh, I think that there's a, a lot more private sales taking place that we hear about, and certainly that we didn't know about from our time when we were working in the auction house. Uh, that that. Um, uh, you know, we 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 we've discovered are taking place, and and which uh, probably will never the information about which will never see the light of day. Exactly. The reason I asked is uh, uh, someone from you know involved in strategy at one of the auction houses made a similar comment uh, to me in the last you know three or four months, and I I was struck by it, and I remember thinking, oh, it's interesting that this person thinks the private market is so much larger when, especially after the last few years, we've come to think of it as being uh, the other way around. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that you sort of uh, confirm that as well. Uh, and it certainly seems like, as you're saying, there's for all that we see new people coming into the auction houses, there seems to be a lot of people actively involved in, in private sales for the reasons you outlined earlier you know, actually being able to get the work you want and worrying less about price and more about, um, you know, obtaining that work. Yeah, it's also the thing is, is it's time can be a factor. I mean, time can go against us in that if you've got, you know, a, a, uh, an auction or even an art fair, there's often the, 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 the gun is to the collector's head to make a decision. Are they going to bid in the sale or... Do I need to go ahead and buy this on the first or second day of the uh, the art fair? Because if I don't, somebody else will step up and buy it. Um, if there's a private sale, there often is more time um, given to to make that decision. Uh, we will um, send the painting to hang on the owner's wall quite often. I mean that that's something that we used to do even when I was uh, you know working. Uh, uh, in the auction houses, and and yet, you know, we may allow them to hold it there for a you know a period of time. Even may maybe return it to them. And either way, they've got much more time to uh, make that decision. And there's certain clients we deal with who just wouldn't ever buy a picture unless they knew they were able to do that. So uh, that's um, one of the you know, many reasons why uh, people you know like to buy privately. And why I think it's, you know, as I said, it's such a big part of the market. So 
can we switch for a second just to uh, talk about acquiring work? It's hard for all of us. I mean, it is difficult because we're, we're, we're um, yeah, we're at this extraordinary phase where you've got this contracted market and yet the prices are still pretty strong for, you know, sort of good material. And so it's, it's very hard to go out and buy things because it's not as though any, you know, any owner feels the need. Um, you've got this sort of perception that actually, if anything, the, 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 the economy is, US economy is beginning to get stronger. And yet the sales have, have contracted. It's a very unusual um, situation. It's not one we've been used to. It's totally different, obviously, from the Lehman period where, you know, when that 2009 period, there was, there was you know, opportunity to buy very good things, which we, you know, which we did at that time. But it's very hard buying at the moment and finding material, material and nobody really wants to sell. What are they going to do with the money? You know, you still interest rates are still at all time low. And so why not just keep it in pictures? They seem to be you know, essentially a good investment and they don't seem to be going down in value as well. So um, it, it's that that's why I think everybody's finding it such a struggle to uh, to um, take fresh material. You You mentioned it's, you know, there's not a lot of pressure for people to sell uh, work, uh, at least not financial pressure uh, to, to, to do that. Uh, so is it more sort of collecting pressure that, that people have fairly large collections these days and they have a tendency to, to if they buy more, to need to sell uh, some just for simple, you know, either wall space or not wanting to store works and, and, and so forth? Or are there other... Uh, um, reasons, presuming that you, you're uh, focusing on those reasons to to acquire works for, from them, that that people want to sell these days, not non financial reason. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I for me, I find that's that first reason you gave is is probably for us is the least likely. It may be more likely in the sort of contemporary uh, in the primary area and, and when works you know are sold for the second time round you know and there obviously there are collectors out there who buy who, who buy and sell on a you know on a huge scale I find that happens a little less um, with our collectors it, it sometimes you know there's no denying that it can be um, price related so if a market for an artist has moved um, yeah, in a way, it's part of our duty almost to be able to tell them and update them on what the current value is, and and it may be at that point that they attempted also to to uh, decide, well, I might take advantage of that. Um, quite often, they'll say, well, that's interesting to know. Let's, um, you know, should I adjust the insurance figure I have accordingly. Um, you know, we always talk about the three Ds: uh, death, divorce, debt. Um, uh, I mean. Yeah, there's very few sales at the moment. People are making for for debt reasons. Obviously, death it means that there's there's obviously estate taxes and um, yeah, that's uh, for the most part those are sales that tend to take place through um, at auction. Although less less so of late, I've noticed that you know that um, lawyers are often looking for a third option of uh, whether they're able to sell something privately. Maybe um, if they can, you know, they achieve. Uh, um, a figure in around you know the top or in excess of the of the an auction estimate, they may feel that's a more um, a safer way to go. Uh, and 
um, uh, well, I mean, d divorce is something which is uh, that's a, that, that eternal. Happens. Yeah, eternal, but um, but ultimately, it's 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 not something that happens so often that uh, words come to the market for that reason. Um, but uh, yeah, quite often people will just want to change. It's, you know, there are there are you know real collectors who will look and say, well, I think actually that particular work I've got is yeah, it's a good example, but I could do better, or it doesn't quite fit within the collection. And they might sell for that reason as well. So um, taste change. Uh, you know, the, the, I don't think the reasons have changed dramatically. You know, the, yes, there has been a little bit more speculation over the years. Uh, and, um, you know, we see this with, with you know, an artist like, uh, say, Mark Bradford. You know, we've seen his work go up substantially. And the fact that the artist himself obviously does not like pictures being speculated and likes to have a keep a sort of tight control on these works and yet of course they still come to market and when they do because they're so difficult to to buy you know they obviously end up making good prices so um which feeds on the you know the speculation further so it, it, it's um uh and that's that's something that happens i think more with the first century art and you know particularly with primary art i i also think that you know speculation for a lot of collectors is more about validation of their taste or interest, right? Many of your buyers are, you know, bought things that they cared about deeply. And if someone cares about it so much more to put such a high valuation on it, that it's less about the monetary gain than it is the confirmation that, you know, this this work I thought was impor important, uh, you know, other people now agree with me uh, and are willing to pay for it. Yes, but I mean, again, whether somebody, you know, Every collector is different in that the, sometimes I'm, I'm, there's some collectors we tell them that their uh, painting's gone up in value and um, you know, they're almost rather disappointed to hear that because they think oh, it's going to be rather hard for me to find other ones again. Um, there are others you can see, you know, you can almost sort of hear the smile on the other end of the telephone when you tell them the work's gone up. But they say, well, that's good to know, but you know, I'm never going to sell. But that's, you know, that, that, uh, it affirms my taste, as you just said. And... Um, yeah, there are others who just can't resist and <laughs> just uh, feel they want to take advantage of this and thinking, well, you know, if there's somebody particular out there who wants to buy it, then I'll uh, I'll sell it if it really has gone up by that much, you know. So, so uh, presuming some of your customers you've sold uh, uh, work for them that, that has gone up a great deal and they're the type that see the free money as uh, too exciting not to put back into art, what these days would you uh, be suggesting they spend money on? And even before you answer that, I want to give you credit. I think it was in 2011 I asked you a similar version of this question, and you said uh, Gerhard Richter paintings. And uh, over the sort of four or five years following that um, uh, statement, certainly he's dominated uh, uh, the art market. Yeah, I, 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 I'd love to say I was a genius in coming up with that comment. I, don't, I think there were a few people ahead of me on that. But um, and, uh, Knowing uh, which way the wind blows, you don't have to be a genius, but you do have uh, to be aware. Well, it was aware. We probably, you know, it certainly helped by the fact that we were, uh, uh, and still do occasionally, sort of buying and selling in, um, um, you know, the, the, his work and, you know, particularly with the abstracts because simply the, you know, the photorealist works from earlier and sort of, 
pot period works so obviously it was so much harder to find um and so um i uh yeah i mean uh, you know there's it continues to remain obviously a very strong market but i think probably by 2011 we were already sort of seeing it you know moving quite fast forward um probably i don't think anybody could predict it it went quite quite at uh, the uh, upward trajectory um, as, as it did. I mean, f- for us, the area that we've been looking at is we feel that the Italian uh, pop movement or popular art movement, as it was called, is uh, still quite underpriced. Um, you know, the most sort of famous two is Mario Schifano and Tano Festa. Uh, and you know, we're starting to see some very strong prices for his um these two artists work in um uh at auction in new york but i think there are other artists that um um from really italian 60s and 70s you know who are um are still i think underpriced i think there are many italian artists who uh um who've been ignored and obviously there's been you know a huge focus on on fontana but uh, ultimately the art arte povera movement has been uh, I think many artists have been um, uh, still not overlooked, but not seen in quite a uh, same international level as, as you know some of the leaders of the movement. I mean, you think of somebody like um, Buri, who who really I think very few people in America knew about until the great show at the Guggenheim, and um, yeah, it's definitely had a um, a big effect on the market. But I think you know that 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 um, that's correct, and I think they're still underpriced so um uh you know is in entire uh, so well that sort of goes to the whole sort of question of the confidence of taste i mean the as much as we talk about people wanting to buy works for you know their own reasons there is this very powerful surround of um confirmation you know, the idea that uh, someone else wanted it uh, and bid it up at auction or bought it quickly once it became available or any of the other of, you know, uh, uh, external signs of, you know, demand from other places. And yet the best art collections usually have some sort of idiosyncratic driving force behind them that's about the collector, not about, uh, you know, some broader uh, uh, consensus. Yes, I, I, it's, there's no doubt there has been a change in the way people collect. And obviously, it's not a new thing, the idea of people buying from, for investment or even speculation. Uh, there are Obviously, a lot of people who buy, who, who don't have the confidence really of of, of having their own view on um, on what is their own taste, and will you know necessarily end up following others in just buying whatever's hot at the time, and that may be emphasised further by the effect of you know, communications through via the internet or Facebook or, you know, through, through social media and, 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 you know, essentially what is the hot artist that everybody should buy, be buying. And then you get a couple of big prizes at auction and then now we're onto that artist, you know, and we've, 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 so, so from, from our perspective, uh, we're often looking and thinking, okay, we're, we're, we're not in the contemporary field. 
uh, I mean, in, in, in general, we sort of go up to 1970, maybe 1980, and we, we, will, um, we will look at areas of the market, in particular artistic movements, which we feel have been slightly overlooked. Um, and, um, and then from just, you know, to start to present those works and, and, and in a sort of cohesive form and, and hopefully make an argument of it. Now, often that will need sometimes the backing up of, um, some, as it were, public private prices, you know, if somebody's paid a big price privately or more the point if things come up, uh, by those artists at auction and, and, um, you know, there's considerable competition, uh, that can be aligned to a particular exhibition in a museum as well. Um, we tend to avoid trying to have shows based around, uh, what a particular museum is, is, you know, close to our gallery may be doing. Um, it like to think that's more sort of serendipity when that, ha when that, uh, happens. Uh, but, uh, it, there's no doubt that, you know, that the, there's a, that Chinese wall between museums and auction houses through the effect of, of, um, uh, the strength of, of one particular artist market or of entire artistic movements, um, uh, strength through either exhibitions in a gallery or exhibitions in a museum, there's a sort of, there's a final, that, that, that wall has almost disappeared so that, um, you can see them influencing each other. And, uh, yeah, that, many that seems to become, a, a somewhat of a driving dynamic across the broader, uh, uh, art market, just simply because the museums have such a reach and visibility, uh, and the ability to put on the kinds of shows that um, really no one else can. Uh, though I, I, it, it, it is funny how people act as if it is a, a simple, straightforward mechanism when we've had many major artist retrospectives in the last few years that have had little or no effect on the artist markets. Uh, I'm thinking of the Chamberlain and even the Agnes Martin uh, shows that, you know, the the these are important artists these are valuable artists but there was not a dramatic change in prices or the uh, frequency of buying and selling that often uh, happens with those kinds of uh, uh, events yeah i think it depends on the artist i mean i i maybe i beg to differ slightly on agnes martin i mean i don't think there really been enough um relevant works have come to the market since then to sort of test it. I know that there were some very big prices paid privately around the time of the exhibition and subsequent to it. Um, and I, I think there definitely was an influence from that. Uh, there was perception maybe with the Stella show in New York that there was perhaps a little too much late work in there and it slightly diluted the overall effect. But I know that, um, um, you know, we have a little, um, we have a small um, black stellar in our uh, current exhibition, uh, which is not for sale, but you know we probably could have sold it three times over. Just and I, I think that part of the um, uh, effect of that is because of, of, of people have not realised the importance of of these works until seeing them in the context of that uh, show at MoMA. So so I do I do 
I agree with you. It's not always even. Didn't stroke, as you say. I'm not sure that the Chamberlain's market moved dramatically as a result. Although you know you get a good early '60s work, and and you know there are a lot of collectors for them. Uh, but um, sometimes it's just sort of it's it's at the other end of the the, um, the modern spectrum. Going back to uh, early 20th century, I'm thinking that the effect, for example, of the Monet show at the Royal Academy. I mean, it's one of the most popular shows that they've had. Now, you could say, well, that's an old favorite. Um, but it was actually, was it was because the show was presenting uh, artists. Um, it, I mean, it was, as you may remember, it was all about the garden but, and the effect of the garden on these artists. But you look at artists, say, you know, the way that the, uh, the Germans were treated and uh, Spanish artists also at the same time. And those markets definitely have moved as a result of that show because people... Went, in, went into those exhibitions, um, to that exhibition, looking to see uh, works by Monet and then discovered other artists that they hadn't seen before. So uh, it, it, it's pretty powerful, I think, still, the, the, the effect on people's taste. Um, well, that, that's not yeah, necessarily that's... a bad thing when you have, you know, one of the, the, the bad forces in the art market is this centripetal, uh, a push towards the biggest names, you know, and following into them. And when you have a show that creates interest in artists who who are on the periphery or lesser known, uh, that's a positive both for the market and just in general for uh, the circulation of these objects and the appreciation of the art history, not to be, you know, one more um, water lily painting being sold uh, is, you know, for more money is not as positive on the art market as, you know, a dozen smaller works uh, uh by related artists, you know, uh, that fit in with the broader uh, story there. I no, completely agree with you. I think that's a very good thing. And I think, yeah, without being specific, but I mean, obviously thinking of certain primary market artists, you know, represented by some of the, you know, larger galleries out there, uh, whose work is being, um, you know, pushed in a, in a, uh, um, very obvious way, and you know, obviously their works uh, being obviously making big prices at auction as well. Which, you know, which requires, on the other side, you know, obviously the the the, the um, gallery owner having to sort of support those works at auction. But you know, that's that is uh, something that is not always a good thing, and and you know, particularly as the, uh, the these galleries become larger and larger, and therefore the works have to become larger, the output has to be faster, and therefore the quality isn't necessarily uh, um, as good as it it might be. I mean, you know, you can think of of exceptions to that rule with somebody like Twombly, late Twombly, but um, uh, in general, I think this is a uh, an issue that that. Um, Certainly seems to be, I, I would say, is a is a, a problem with uh, many of the collectors um, uh, tend to fall into that category. Uh, the new collectors, um, where they, you know, where they want to um, 
uh, be able to, how shall I say, jump on the bandwagon and make sure they don't miss, miss the next big thing. And that, those tend to be the investor collectors. And I'm certainly not, no, I'm by no means by sort of putting the, every collector into the uh, into that category, but it's certainly not that at all. But we, we said that about he- hedge fund collectors. I mean, we could put any adjective in front of relatively new collectors to group them and see similar behavior. They usually are uh, get involved for social reasons. Someone they consider a peer or a rival is interested in an artist they want to have uh, the same status object it's like the old joke about you know a collector is a de- uh, someone who's decorated and run out of wall space and still keeps on buying there's a there's a point where they get over the the initial interest and they start getting motivated by uh, other deeper forces within their own reasons of, uh, for buying how do you feel the asian buyers uh, uh, broadly, not just Chinese, but the Indonesians, you know, e- even really Middle Eastern uh, buyers, do they, because these are abstract w- works, does this, you know, li- like the Richter abstracts sort of fit into a certain universal language? Oh, yes. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 I mean, there's the many Asian collectors who, who, uh, um, uh, collect abstract works. I mean, I think, you know, notable that, um, Works which have a sort of calligraph, calligraphic influence, on, you know, particularly an artist, somebody like Franz Klein, has always been very desired and is becoming more so in um, in Asia. But it, it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, going back to Gerhard Richter, there are many Asian collectors who love his work, and he's becoming um, almost, you know, as 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 popular as the sort of titans of the 20th century in uh, amongst um, collectors particularly in mainland china and um places like taiwan as well so it it's um i think it's uh i think this is a very good thing and 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 um that you know there's i think there's you know if you looked at the asian interest in western art you know it's obviously it's it's much greater than um western interest in in um asian art and and that can't be right you know i mean the fact is is that they're much more prepared to look at uh, further afield than uh from their own culture than, than we are so uh this is a very good thing and and you know obviously inevitably the mistakes are made but i think um that uh uh that you know there's, there's it's we've noticed that um with asian collectors we've sold to how how um particularly um uh, Chinese collectors and and uh, obviously with Japanese collectors were buying Western art for a long time. Um, that there's there's incredible uh, speed at which at which they um, learn and and um, you know, many have incredibly good eyes. So, uh, but I think that. Um, uh, you know, that's yeah. that's ex- exactly what we said about the hedge fund buyers uh, 10 years ago, too, right? That they, you know, they weren't taking their time. They would buy something in the several hundred thousand dollar range and then immediately buy things in the several million dollar range and would be very confident in their, their choices. And I know at least one collector who was looking at the private sale um that uh, Christie's just brought to Hong Kong uh, and sort of commenting 
that you know that that's a very sophisticated market, and you have to be very careful what you bring there now. That it's not just going to be greeted as you know, thank you for bringing this to uh, to us. The the buyers are going to know their stuff, and they're going to know whether you've brought your best stuff uh, out to them. Oh yeah, no, no, they've 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 learned quite you know very quickly. I mean, it's 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 um, yeah, there is there's no doubt like uh, the hedge funder uh, who relies on uh, information from as many sources as possible. Many of the um, new collectors uh, we've noticed, particularly in mainland China and in Hong Kong, do like to seek another opinion. And um, of course, yeah, that that in a way is just sort of part is a matter of confidence. When these collectors gain the confidence, they feel they don't need to uh, need to keep checking, or they or maybe they have a specific advisor they work with who can can point them in the right direction. Um, then uh, then it tends to be the case that that um, they end up being offered. Better things privately because you know nobody, no dealer really wants to sort of risk offering very good things that might end up being um, uh, shown around, you know, for for confirmation of quality. So, um, and that's sort of beginning to happen. It's taken a while, and it sort of took a while really with um, um, many of the uh, American hedge funders as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, just a matter of a you know market maturing. That's all. So it sounds like what you're saying is there's um, a bit of a qualification on both sides of the private market, right? That that the buyer has to show the private dealers that they they can be shown the best works as much as the uh, buyer has to trust that the uh, uh, dealer has those works to show them. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's absolutely true. I mean, if. Uh, um... And and it's um, yeah, it's a broad brush statement. There are many collectors in um, um, well, first of all, there are many American hedge funders, and there are also many um, uh, collectors in in uh, um, China, Hong Kong, and, and and further afield who who actually have that confidence and and really do not need the field to um, uh, go and check with several other people before making a decision um because you know in many ways for the for the for the dealer particularly a dealer who's who might be based in europe or the us is obviously uh to go through the process of offering a picture to the other side of the world which might require um a you know the collector to actually travel over to europe or asia or or, or even for the painting to be sent over um, you know they want to be pretty sure before they do that 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 the interest is 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 keen and that they're not going to um, um, change their mind on a whim, but also that um, you know that 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 having sent the image to that particular collector, it's not going to be uh, uh, checked with all and sundry, and that that's um, um, yeah that that's just a matter of time before a uh, um, you know collector realizes that. And then, yeah, there's some who don't, and the silk good collection. Uh, but often, yeah, they'll end up doing that by buying at auction, where uh, it's more of a public thing, and they feel can feel more comfortable by the fact there's other competitors, and um, you know, they're, 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 it's two types of collector, really. Well, it, it, that's what you're making clear, and uh, it, it's funny. I don't think 
popularly we perceive it that way. We think of it as just being some uh, single undifferentiated mass uh, of collectors, but it's really either a life cycle or maturity or or uh, just a uh, you know a, a habit how they would like to. Um, uh, proceed that determines wh- which side of the market, as it were, they uh, participate in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's sort of also important to say that that um, that there are very few collectors out there who don't like to buy both privately and at auction. You know, it's it's, it's about wherever the picture turns up. If there's a picture that somebody really wants to own. You know the fact whether it actually appears at appears at auction or it's at an art fair or they just offer it privately. I mean, maybe they maybe one particular type prefers it's offered them privately, another prefers that he actually got the company that it's come up at auction. But if it's a picture that that um, that whoever that collector may be wants to wants to buy, then it doesn't really matter where it is. They'll probably still try try to buy it either way whether it's privately or at auction and, and there are plenty of collectors like that so it's not it's you know there's a clear venn diagram with a very large section in the middle where you know people who buy um um from um uh in both ways so uh um yeah i don't want to mislead in that way and say there's one or the other but there are certainly certainly for us there are, you know many collectors that we deal with who who um who hardly ever buy at auction um, and yeah, you know, there are others who, who, yeah, will spend quite a bit of time going around the auctions and checking to see whether there's something that's coming up that might, you know, fit within, within their, uh, collection. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably uh, as good a place as any to stop. We could go on for, for hours. At least I could, and I'm sure yeah, you've got other things great. to do. No, uh, that's great. All right. To talk really. Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 